Let's dive into the Word of God. I want to look in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. We're talking about leaving a legacy. How many of you know that raising kids isn't easy? Pastoring is a hard job. Being a dad is harder. Grandma, yeah, grandparent, it's not, not an easy job. Although grandparenting is supposed to be easier than parenting, right? It's not? <laughs> it, it, it is a daunting thing to raise children. Everything in this world is coming against you. Culture, media, school, right? Politics, the political environment, everything is fighting against us as parents, trying to oppose us, trying to hinder us in all of our effort to raise godly kids. Everything in this world is coming against us. And so it, it, it's not an easy job. It's not an easy job. That's why we're starting in Hebrews chapter 11. What's, what's, what is Hebrews 11 about? Everybody knows? Faith. It takes faith to be a parent. It takes faith to have kids. It's difficult. It's not easy. And I want to, before uh, I get started with this message today, I'm going to make a disclaimer. I'm not a perfect dad. My kids aren't perfect. I've got good kids. I've got great kids, but they're not perfect. And I'm not perfect as a dad. More often than I would want to admit, I mess it up. How many of you would admit you've messed it up with your kids from at, least, at least once a week, once a week, <laughs> once a day? We mess it up. How many of you ever let your kids get on your last nerves and you said some things you should not have said, right? We, we've said the wrong things with our kids. We've done the wrong things with our kids. Every single one of us have done it, but there's hope. God's on our side. Amen. God is on our side when it comes to raising kids. There, there's a help. Amen. And we can lean into him. We can, we can, we can the, the, uh, rely on the Holy Spirit to help us as parents to lead our kids right? We can lean into grace. How many of you have ever had to apologize to your kids? Right? You said it wrong, you did it wrong, and you've had to come back and apologize. I have. There's probably times I did and didn't apologize, and I should have. So I'm not coming at you from somebody who's got this all together. I'm a dad who's striving, and uh, I, I'm just glad there's help and there's hope. It takes faith to raise kids. So let's look at Hebrews 11. We're going to begin in verse 11, and I want to encourage you to get your Bibles and dust them off if they're dusty. Get your highlighters out. You may need to go, maybe they've dried out and you need to go buy a new set. Get your Bibles out, because we've got to get sharp in the Word. If we're going to raise kids sharp in the world, Word, we've got to be sharp in the Word. Amen. Hebrews 11, we're going to begin to read in verse 11. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. It takes faith just to have a baby. Though she was barren and, and, and old. She, and this, this woman was beyond childbearing years. She'd been barren her whole life, but by faith she conceived. She believed that God would, would keep his promise. He had promised to her that he, she would have a child. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. That's, pos that's posterity. You think about it. This, this dead man Abraham, this old man beyond, I mean, he was beyond grandpa years. And Sarah is beyond grandma years. And she's barren. But 
Through faith, these two people conceived a child that produced a nation. What, what, do, what, what do you want to leave behind on planet Earth? People may or may not remember Chad Hayes when I'm gone, but I hope that I leave behind four children with godly spouses and godly grandkids who go on to raise godly grandkids. I want to leave behind a godly posterity. I want to be, leave behind a godly legacy. Hebrews eleven seventeen. We're going to read a, a couple passages here, and then we're going to break, break some things down, all right? Verse 17, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. I think in this, we learn how to live by faith as parents in this passage. I believe there's two ways that we can, we, we can see our responsibility, our role as parents. We can see ourselves as owners, or we can see ourselves as stewards. When we're living a life by faith in God, we will see ourselves not as owners of our children, but as stewards. Noah, Nathan, Jensen, and Bethan don't belong to me. God has loaned them to me, and I have a responsibility to steward those lives, to help to shape them to be what God has called them to be. We only, we only live that way by faith. We see a great example of this in the life of Hannah, right? She lent him to the Lord. She raised that child by faith. She, was, she too was barren. She had that child by faith. We see her standing in the temple praying, asking God for that child. She had that child by faith, and she raised that child by faith. She took him to the house of the Lord. In the, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, we're going to see this as we go through this, this series of messages. In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, Hannah, by faith, raised a child to serve God. Right? Think about that. That child would lay hands on Saul and on David and anoint them as kings. That man would be a prophet. That man would be a priest. Think, how, how do we do that? How do we raise children that are going to have kingdom impact? The only way we're going to do it is by faith. By faith. Two more verses, Hebrews 11 and 20. It was by faith that Esau promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. By faith, Isaac promised blessings for the future to his two sons. By faith. It was done by faith. He promised. He gave a purposeful intent for their future. And, and the word bless there, it, it's, uh, in, in the Greek, it's eulogio. He spoke a eulogy over them. He spoke a blessing over them. And I'm going I'm to tell you, parents, we need to speak a, a blessing over our children. Amen. Right? I, I tell this story. You may have heard this from me already before, but uh, when I, I used to be a cowboy. I'm, I'm retired, been retired for a long time. I grew up on the, the ranch in South Texas. One day we were working. It was a Saturday. We were working. And at noon, my aunt brought a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. And we sat under a pavilion, and we ate lunch. It was my cousins and my uncle. 
We were out there working horses. We sat under that pavilion eating lunch, and, and as we're eating lunch, my uncle says, boys, I want you to go get a, a sickle, a stake, and a, and a rope after uh, lunch and bring it over here. So we, what we did is we cleared all these weeds away, and there was this other, what to me looked like a weed springing up from the ground. We cut all the weeds around that one weed, and we tied that weed off so it would grow straight. So I thought it was a weed, but my uncle recognized it's a tree. Right? Twelve years later, I sat underneath that tree and enjoyed the shade. How many of you know shade's important in South Texas? We had, we had lunch under the shade of that tree one day. Why? Because one man sawed the tree. When your kids look like weeds, you need to speak, speak as though they're trees. You, need, you have to be the one to see the tree. Speak the blessing of God over their lives. Prophesy over your children. De- declare the goodness of God over their lives. Right? You know, how many of you know God sings over you? God has spoken a word over you. That's, that, the word of God makes that clear. God, God sing a song over you. Have you ever sang over your children? Have you ever spoken the blessing of God over your children? I've, I've been doing that to my kids since they were in my arms. Newborn babies, I begin to declare the goodness of God, the purpose of God over their lives. I begin to say that to them. My, my mom did that to me when I was a child. You know what? I acted crazy all through my teenage years, my early college years. I acted like a nut. I rebelled. I ran from God. But always back in the back of my mind, the words that my mom spoke over me about the destiny, the call of God, the purpose of God over my life. Speak blessing over your children. The most powerful voice on planet earth in your child's life is you. So by faith, speak the things of God over your children. That's what, that's what we see Isaac doing here. One, one last verse. Verse 21, it was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed and worshiped as he leaned on his staff. Again, we see the blessing, this time, right, from from, uh, grandfather blessing his sons. There's power in the words that we speak. There's power in blessing. When we speak blessing, it, it, it's not some vain routine. What we, what we spoke over the bakers a minute ago, that was not some vain repetition, just some exercise in spiritual futility. There's power in the words that we speak over one another. And there's power in the words that we're speaking over our children. Your words matter. If you're calling your kid a big, dumb kid, he's going to think that he's a big, dumb kid. If you're telling your kid that he can't, he's going to think that he can't. We, we need to speak encouragement. We need to speak life. So I, I read that passage, and, and I want to lay that foundation that it takes faith. It takes faith to raise kids, and it takes help. It takes help. We're, we're, we're fighting all kinds of influences. We're fighting all kinds of things in this culture and society. You're, you're fighting a school system that, that's teaching all kinds of perverse things. There, there's a battle for the soul of your child from the day that they're born. And it's a fight of faith. We, we have to have faith and we have to rely on God in this, because all of us are inadequate, all of us are imperfect, all of us are going to miss the mark as parents, but if we rely on God and if we lean into his grace, we can be successful. We can raise godly kids, and that's what it's about. I want to read what, what, uh, just, just some examples of, in, in, in the scriptures about generations. Generations, and the word for generations in scripture, it's door-door in, in the Hebrew, door-door, and, and it speaks of posterity. Right? Our, our generations will be blessed. The Bible talks about that often. So in Psalm 112, verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord. Blesses the man who fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commands. It says, His seed, his seed, his children, his offspring shall be mighty upon the earth. 
The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Think about that. Think about that. By the way, that's, that's Psalm 112, 1 through 3. Bring your Bibles, highlight, underline, bring a notebook. Be students of the Word so you can teach these things to your kids. Amen? Be a student of the Word. This, this passage is, is talking about the blessing of the righteous, their generations, their posterity, their door-door in, in the Hebrew, their, their generations and posterity will be blessed. That, that's the promise of Scripture. Right? We, we know the scriptures, right? That the sins of the father are visited upon the child of the third, fourth generation, the fourth, fifth generation, right? We're familiar with that. Listen to what it, it says about this, the, the righteousness of godly parents. It says that, that their righteousness shall visit upon their generations, even to a thousand generations. The blessing of righteousness is greater than the curse of sin. The blessing of serving God is greater than all the, the enmity and animosity and attack that this world is bringing against your children. Right? We have to realize that greater is he who's on the inside of us as parents. He's greater than the one who's in this world. Amen? And he's empowering us. All the opposition that we're facing, God empowers us as parents to lead our children. Our seed will be mighty, and our generations will be blessed. Amen? We need to believe that. We need to embrace that. Here's, here's another passage, Psalm 127, verse 3 through 5. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a, is a reward. Right? Your, 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 your children are not um, a nuisance. And, and I realize, hey, as, as, as parents, we all understand that, that feeling, right? Like, how many more loads of laundry? How, mu how much more? I... I I'm going to join the Iron Workers Union because I ironed all my kids' clothes this morning. Not all of them, but some of them. Right? And we were in a rush to get out the door. And they didn't do it last night like they're supposed to do in the Hayes house. Right? It can get frustrating. It can be very testing. But children are not a nuisance. They're a reward. We need to begin to view our children that way. Amen? When you begin to view your children like that, it'll change the way that you speak to them, the way that you raise them, the way that you discipline them, etc. Our children are a reward. Amen? Like arrows in the hand of a, a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gates. This again, speaking of the blessing of children. The blessing of our generations. Amen? They're a blessing. They're a blessing. Here's, here's a statistic. And by the way, I want to say this. We're, we're, we're after disciples. We want discipled children, not just church children. Right? Y'all all heard that. The guy that said when he was growing up he had a drug problem. His mom and dad drug him to church every Sunday. See, a lot of times in our culture, we church our children, but we don't disciple our children. Like, they, they know how to dress. They know how to sit in the pew right, the right way. They know what not to say when so-and-so is around. Like, we have churched them, but we haven't really discipled them. We haven't laid a foundation of the Word of God. We haven't made an introduction of, of Christ to them. We haven't led them and taught them what it means to walk in the ways of the Lord. We just taught them, hey, this is how we, we go to church on Sunday. That's what we do. 
right? That's a lot of times the way that we, we raise our kids. We're, we're not after church kids, we're after discipled kids. People who, young, young men and women who have the word of God laid as a foundation in their life. Children who are full of the spirit of God. Children that have a sense of urgency and call towards the mission of God. That's the kind of kids we want to raise, right? But, but listen to this statistic. Church, have, having said that, church attendance is important. It really is. Church attendance is important. Uh, talking to somebody before church this morning, you're talking about somebody they work with, and they were talking about how they don't go to church anymore because their child is in travel sports, but it's okay because they go to a Christian school. Listen, that, that mindset is deceptive. That mindset is destructive. God has called us to relate to one another in the church. Right? And let, let's say this once and not ever say it again. The church is not a building. We're all aware of that concept. The church is the people. But God has called us to gather. It's a part of the call of God, to gather together. It doesn't matter if it's in a church building. In a, we, we met in Bowling Alley in Texas for three years. Right? We talked a few weeks back about the church of Antioch. They met in a cave. There are healthy churches meeting in homes all across the United States and the world and China. But gathering with the saints of God, with your children, is vital to their spiritual development. Amen? Our kids need to be a, know what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. Listen to this statistic. When a father regularly attends church, 66% of their children go on to regularly attend church. Dad, your influence in your child's life is important. And look at this. When mom and dad both regularly attend church, 75% of those children go on to regularly attend church. Mom and dad, our church attendance is important. It matters. It does. Be faithful to come to the house of the Lord. Be faithful to gather together with the saints of God. Get into small groups get, and, and bring those kids along. My uh, friend, uh, Pastor Matt Bell, was ha having a conversation with him this week, and he was talking about a church that he visited, and, and they don't own their own building. They borrow uh, a building from another church, and so they meet at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And the church service went on for three hours, and everybody was content and happy. They, they sang, they worshiped, they sang hymns, they prayed. They spent a lot of time praying together which is, for whatever reason, is foreign in the American church these days. They taught the word of God. They, he said he taught no less than, than an hour and 15 minutes. Like most churches in America, people are getting up and walking out on the messages at that point. And he said afterwards, they stuck around for more than an hour and a half. He was, he was, he was there for a conference, and had that Sunday, uh, he, he was away from his church, and he got to go visit this church, and he stuck around and watched this whole thing. He was amazed at it. And he said the, the fathers, they, they had no Sunday school programs. They had no youth group. The fathers were discipling their children in the pews. They were actively engaged in raging, raising their children to know what it means to follow Jesus. And he said, I, I stood back and I stood in awe and I remembered what church used to be like when I was a child. He said, there, there was something powerful when I was a child about going to church. And I've missed it. I think, I think he's probably speaking to the fact that we cookie cutter church now. It's, you know, an hour and five minutes and 21 minute messages and three songs and, you know, boom, 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 boom. Cookie cutter church to fit everybody's life so that it's not inconvenient for anyone. 
When has a walk with Jesus become inconvenient? When has devotion, when has prayer, when has worship, when has sitting to hear the word of God become inconvenient? When did we ever get an attitude, develop as as children of God, get an attitude that says, you know what, if the pastor preaches for an hour, I'm bored. We're handling the word of God. I mean, the oracle, we, we, we read the passage earlier, the word of God that's flawless, that's inspired. How can we ever open the pages of God, God's word and get bored with that? We, we need to change our mentalities because I'm going to tell you, why are we seeing that by the hordes, young people when they're leaving church and going to co- leaving their home that they grow up in and going off to college, they don't want anything to do with church? Could it be our attitude towards church, towards the house of God, the people of God, the word of God, towards worship, towards prayer? Could our attitude be tainting our children's views about God? Here, at at the end of the day, because we can make our kids memorize, 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 catechize, lay these foundations. They can, they can tell you all the gifts of the Spirit and all of the pieces of the armor of God, and they can say all these things and have absolutely no relationship with God. You know, at the end of the day, what the goal is, that we are raising kids that love the Lord. I'm going to tell you what, if we don't love the Lord, if we don't love to walk in his ways, if we don't love prayer, if we don't love worship, if we don't love to study the word of God, if we don't love the things of God, our children will not. That's a reality. That's a reality. They did a study between John, uh, Jonathan Edwards, the old uh, preacher, and, and one of his cousins. One of it, they, they both grew up in similar environments. They both had exposure to the gospel. The one cousin stopped attending church lived a lackadaisical Christian lifestyle. They studied that that person's descendants. They became drunks and criminals, the majority of his descendants. They studied Jonathan Edwards' descendants. In fact, they studied 1,394 of Jonathan Edwards' descendants. 100 of them went on to be preachers and missionaries. One became an American vice president. Three became senators. Three became governors. Three became mayors. 30 became judges. 13 became college presidents, 65 became college professors, 100 became lawyers, don't hold that against them, 60 became physicians, 75 became military officers, 60 became prominent authors, and 80 became other types of public officials. What is that? That's the blessing of righteous living, opposed to the curse of sinful living. It's a beautiful picture, very clear, easy to see. So I'm going to wrap up. I want to give us five things today that we as parents can do. And these are five things that I want as a church for us to begin. See, I said this to our leadership team this morning. It, it is not my job to raise your kids. It's not the Sunday school teacher's job to raise your kids. The responsibility for spiritual development for your children is actually not return church's responsibility. Now, having said that, I want to be fully engaged in raising your kids to be spiritual children, to know Jesus. I want to do everything we can to empower your kids, train your kids, shape your kids to know Christ. The responsibility for Nathan Hayes, Noah Hayes, Jensen Hayes, and Bethan Hayes is not on return church. 
It is on Chad Hayes and Rachel Hayes. It's my responsibility. That, that's an awesome responsibility. It, like I said, it's not easy to raise kids. So m my vision as a pastor for us as a church is that we become a, a, a church that comes alongside as daunting of a job as it is, as challenging as we want to come alongside parents and help you so that you can grow. And so the, a lot of the problems, a lot of times parents want to raise their kids to be godly. They don't know where to start. Pastor, I want to teach my kids the Bible. I don't know where to start myself. So we're, we're going to put tools into your hands. There's a, there's a whole set of tools. We're going to talk about that some today and, and, and more in, in the coming days. But, but five things. Number one, as parents, we need to model what it means to be a Christian in front of our kids. We need to model what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, Paul uses a word. It's, it's hupotuposis. Hupotuposis. And, and this, it's this word of, of modeling and a little more, more, more uh, accurately probably to imprint. Right? Like a die. How many of you have ever seen when they lay concrete, they put those, those, uh, those dies, those stamps, they put down in the concrete to make the shapes like of stones yeah. into the concrete. So that, that's the, the picture of this word. Uh, have to look at it. Hupotopos. Hupotopos. It's to imprint. It's to make a mark, to leave a stamp. See, as, as parents, we have a responsibility to make a mark on our children. And it, I don't want my kids to look like Chad Hayes. You know, I, I want them to look like Jesus. The stamp is Christ. I want to make the mark of Jesus on their life so that they grow up to be young men and young women who look like Christ. Right? Paul says, be imitators of me. It's the same word. Hupotupus. Ah, I can't even say it. It's like Greek to me or something here. As parents, we need, to, we need to eliminate this phrase from our vocabulary. How many of you have ever said this or your mom and dad said it? Somebody said it. You heard somebody say it. Do as I say, not as I do. Wrong. We need to live a life before our children. It's an example what it means to follow Christ. That, that's not a call to be perfect. I said at the beginning of this, I'm no perfect dad. I'm no perfect man. What I want my kids to see is a man who's striving. And then when, when I do mess it up, that there's grace, that there's mercy, that there's repentance, that I can apologize, that I can humble myself, all of these things. When, I, when my wife and I have a, have a dispute that we resolve it in front of our kids, right? We want to be models, examples of God's grace, models of love, models of mercy, not just some kind of model of perfection. Yeah, I'm striving to follow Jesus. Yes, I, I want to be, live a holy life, a righteous life, but I'm going to mess it up. And what, what's the most important thing, I think, is that our kids see us fall on the mercy of God, turn in repentance from sinful ways when we've, when we've gone there. We're going to make front, mistakes in front of our kids but they need to see a model of what it is to embrace God, to embrace his forgiveness, to, grace, to embrace mercy, to embrace the, the grace of God. So we, we need the model. That's number one. Number two, we need to affirm our kids. That, we talked earlier about prophesying, speaking prophetically over our kids, declaring the word of the Lord. And that's simply all. It's not some, like, do, do yourself a favor. Don't prophesy to your kid they're going to be the president of the United States. 
That, 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 that's not prophecy. Declare the word of God over your children. You will be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Right? Declare things like that over your children. Affirm them. Affirm them. Speak life over them. Number two, and it kind of goes together, encourage their identity. Encourage their identity. We, we have a whole generation of young people that have a de deficit in this area of their life. We, we read in Hebrews 11, right, about Jacob speaking over his grandchildren, declaring over his grandchildren. Listen, one of the most powerful things you can do is lay your hands on your child. There's power in that. And making prophetic declaration over your children. You're, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna walk in the ways of the Lord. The purposes of the enemy are going to fail in your life. And you're going to fulfill the call and the purpose of God. Putting your hands on your children and declaring that. Even, and, and, and especially when they've, they've, they've screwed up. Especially when they've gotten it wrong. The, the, the worst thing that we can do is come down hard and angrily and, and stomp our kids when they've made a mistake. We should always correct. We're going to get to that in just a second. But it's got to be done in love. It's got to be done with grace. And, and there needs to be an encouragement. There needs to be encouraging of identity. Don't, don't say you're a bad, bad child when they've done something. Try, try it this way. Hey, you're, you're a child of God. That's not the way we roll. See the difference there? What we speak over our children, it matters. We have a crisis of identity in this nation. We're, Rachel and I get to this summer speak to about 600 teenagers this coming summer. And we're, we're preparing a series of messages on identity. And identity in Christ. We need to speak and declare to our children that they have an identity in Jesus. They're all looking for identity in this world. All, they're, they're trying to find it in everything. In, in vocation, in status, cultural status sexual identities, all these types of things. What is that? That's a generation that doesn't understand the identity that they should have in Christ. So we as parents, we, we have to be the, the, the most active in that. Speak to their identity in Christ. Encourage their identity. Affirm them. So number four here, we're just about done. Number four is discipline. We need to discipline our kids. It's not fun, but we need to discipline just, just some quick pointers. Draw clear lines. Draw clear lines and don't blur those lines. If you say don't go here and they go there, bring them back in the boundary. Boundaries make us, my wife talks about this all the time, boundaries and borders make us feel secure. Right? If you know the rule book playing, a, playing football, you're going to play with a whole lot more confidence. Right? So draw clear lines. Your children need to know what your expectations are. Don't, don't set moving targets. What, what does that mean? So uh, when they do go over the line, well, I told you not to do that, but then they go over the next line. I told you not to do that, and they keep going. Don't, don't set moving targets. How, how do you do that? So if you tell your child, if you, if you do X, Y, and Z, you're gonna get, you, you will be grounded. If you do X, Y, and Z, there will be a spanking that's coming. And I do believe in spanking. It's biblical. It's not, a, not battering. 
There's a healthy way to do it. There's a, a godly, biblical way to do it. But if you tell your children these are the consequences for a certain behavior and then you, don't, you let those consequences go, you're, you're, you're breeding into your children rebellion. Here's another guideline. Don't get between your children and, and their consequences. How many of you have seen that happen at the, at the baseball game with the umpire or with the coach or a, a teacher or, or principal in a school that has rightly disciplined a child and then the parent steps in? There's a coach from Alabama. I think he was the women's softball coach. He, he made this statement. He said that, that uncoachable kids become unemployable adults. When we step between our kids and the consequences of their actions, we're raising uncoachable kids. When you're yelling at the umpire at the baseball game, you're breeding something into your child that you don't want. Don't, don't come between the consequences that your children... The most beautiful story I've ever heard of this, Pastor Larry Stockstill, he's down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He's got uh, a bunch of kids that, that are all in ministry today, but his son Jonathan now is pastoring the church that, that he and his father at one point had pastored. He tells the story of one of his sons, and he'd gone off to LSU to go to college. He got with some party boys, and they were out in a car, and they got caught, I think, with booze in the, in the car, and they'd been drinking. And he gets in the jail, and he calls his dad and said, Dad, come get me. He said, I'm not coming. He said, I told you. Have you ever gotten anything like this? Don't call me. He left him to the consequence. He sat in jail for several days, finally got out, went before the, George, the judge, got into, had an encounter with God, got into a, a strong walk with Jesus, ended up get, getting a call to ministry, going off to college. And Pastor Larry tells, he said that he, didn't, he had an engagement. He didn't think he was going to get to go. There was a graduation ceremony at this, this uh, school of ministry that his son was at. He didn't think he was going to get to go. But he was able to get out of the, the commitment that he had. He slipped into the back of the chapel where they were having this ceremony. And he, he gets to witness his son getting the, like, student, I don't know, student of the year or whatever award it was. And he said he, his son is walking out of the building at the end of the thing, and he's standing in the foyer with his arms open, and they embrace and break down. And he said, Dad, I didn't think you were going to be here. Thank you for coming. And that young man has gone on now. He's a minister of the gospel. But Pastor Larry talks about how that day would have never happened if he would have empowered the bad behavior of his son. Don't stand between the consequences of your children's actions. If, if consequences are coming because of something that they've done, let it come. One more, don't, don't discipline while you're angry. Don't discipline while you're angry. Take a time out, settle down, come back, have a conversation, talk about discipline. And, and when, the, when there is an issue, take time in those situations to teach. So oftentimes we just spank them and move on quick. Or ground them and move on, whatever it is. Whatever the, whatever the discipline is, we, we meet it out and we just hurry on. No, take time to discipline or to teach. Take time to teach. The, the last thing I want to say is this, protect. We need to model for our kids. We need to give them affirmation, encourage their identity, discipline them, and we need to protect them. 
We need to protect them. There's a lot out there in this world that we need to protect them from. Be a protector. That's why they call us guardians. That's the legal term, recognized by the United States of America, guardians. We are guardians. The government is not my child's guardian. The local church, I love the local church. I want my kids to be a part of the local church. They're not my child's guardian. The school system is not my child's guardian. The psychologist is not my child's guardian. That responsibility lays squarely on me. We need to guard our kids. We need to guard them from bad relationships. We need to guard them from cultural influence. We need to uh, guard them from dangerous environments. We need to be guardians of our children. So those five things, those, then that, that's probably not all the job description, but those five things, how many of you think you can do all that perfectly? Not me. So how are we going to raise godly kids? By faith. With grace. Leaning in and depending on, fully leaning in and depending on God to help us. Give us the grace. Give us the strength. How many of you know 10 o'clock when you're ready for bed, the kids need something, you don't want to be a parent at that point. We need strength. We need grace. We need help. Amen? This, this coming year, we're going to get, begin to shape out kids' ministry in a new way. And a big part of that is coming alongside families. We're talking about all kinds of cool things. We've been, I've been talking about with, with Perla, with other people that are working in our kids' ministry, some of the things that we could do for our kids. And we're going to begin to do things for parents as well. There'll be a day next year when we're going to have small group for kids that runs simultaneously with a small group for parents. And we're going to come together with parents who are struggling to raise kids in 2023 all these influences, all the things going on around us, we're going to come alongside parents and we're going to strengthen parents through small groups. We're going to give resources. We're going to give tools. There's going to be, there are going to be tools that you're going to be able to take home. Every Sunday when your child comes out of the classroom, there's going to be tools that you'll be able to take home that will reinforce what they're learning in the class. We're, we're going to give you outlines that you can use. You say, I, I want to raise my kids to know Jesus. I just don't know where to start. Here's an outline. Here's a tool that you get you in the word with your kids. Teaching your kids. Here's a tool that you can use to shape your kids for Jesus. That's our vision as a church. Those are things we're going to begin to implement. Our kids' ministry has grown over the last couple of years. We haven't done it the last several Sundays because our kids are out during worship getting ready for our Christmas program. But we've seen on these steps, Sunday after Sunday, our numbers are growing. And if we, look, if we overlook these kids... We focus on growing healthy adults and we focus on outreach and all these other things and we fail to train these kids properly. Like I started with the words of Pastor Frank Damasio, if we win the world, we fail to reach our own children, we leave the church without a heritage. We're going to do everything that we can to make sure that that doesn't happen here at Return. We're going to do everything that we can to encourage you as parents, to help you as parents, to come alongside you, to help to build godly kids. Amen? Let's, let's stand together. I think I smell turkey. <laughs> I tell you what, right where we're at, I want to pray for you. If you're a parent, or if you're a grandparent who's influencing children, if you're a teacher who's influencing children, and, and by the way, 
We're, we're going to develop ways for grandparents to, and parents to come alongside kids that need some influence for Jesus. We're, we're going to build programs in, into our church culture that, that are going to help you as, as parents, or, or uh, uh, let's just say this, as, as the seasoned saints of God, maybe your kids are already grown, they're already out of your house, whatever it might be, we're going to build in opportunities for you. Like we're going to put together things so you'll know when football games, basketball games, theatric performances, musical performances at school are, so that some of y'all can adopt some of these kids. Like not literally adopt them, but just say, hey, I'm going to come alongside and I'm going to encourage this family. I'm going to encourage these kids. I'm going, to, I'm going to show up. Maybe they don't have parents or grandparents that are around. I'll be honest, my, my kids deal with that. Other than my mom, we, we have no family close by. They don't have a lot of relationships with cousins, uncles, aunts. Their grandparents are in Wales. My dad's passed. My kids have a battle in this area. Right, see, there, there are ways that we as a church, we've got to come around and we've got to help and we've got to fill gaps, we've got to fill voids. That's what our vision as a church is going to be in 2023. Amen? So if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, or if you're somebody, maybe you're fostering, maybe you're a teacher, if, if you've got influence into a child's life, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every hand that's raised. I thank you for every parent. I thank you for every teacher, for every grandparent, every foster parent, every big brother and sister who stepped into some young person's life. Father, I pray that you would empower us. I pray that you would help us. Father, I pray, Lord, for our children's team, Lord, just to, to have expanded vision, Lord God, and to have, Lord, Lord just a, a pathway through this, Lord God. It can, it can be daunting. There's a lot of things that we'd like to do. Help us to have wisdom as a church, as a leadership team, to know the right moves to make at the right times and the right seasons. Father, it's our desire to raise a godly generation. Lord, help us. Help us to raise our kids. Help us, Lord, to make an impact into the lives of our grandchildren. Father, I pray that out of this would, would grow, Lord, opportunities of, of discipleship. Lord, that people would rise up. Lord, that we could adopt a neighborhood. We could adopt a school. That we could send people in, Lord God. That there would be teams that would raise up even, Lord, for, for the turnout programs that are in the state of Indiana where we can go and we can impact kids while they're at school with the gospel. Father, help us. Help us. Father, I pray that you would stir in us vision. Every one of us, not, not just me as a pastor. We as a church, we need vision for the next generation. Father, I pray that when we look on the television and we see things running out of control, a generation that doesn't know you, Lord God, that our hearts wouldn't be full of anxiety, that they wouldn't be full of fear, that they wouldn't be full of anger, Lord, but that our hearts would move with compassion and that they would move with hope. Lord, that you would give us wisdom. How do we step in and shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ? How can we do what Philippians says, that, that we would shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation? Lord, give us strategies going before school boards, going into the school systems, Lord God. Give us strategies. Help us, Lord God. We thank you for it. We give you praise for it today. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I'm excited about this. I really am.
I believe our kids program is about to explode. I believe that. We're going to go eat. And I know the first thing they're going to say when we get down there, somebody pray over the food. So let, let's do that. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank, I thank you for this body. I thank you for our opportunity to gather today to just to have a meal together, to have fellowship, Lord God. Bless our time. Strengthen this house. Strengthen this spiritual family, Lord God. Bless Return Church. Father, we, we are grateful for all that you have done in 2022. We're grateful for your faithfulness. We're gratefulness for all of your provision. We're grateful that your hand is over our lives and over this church. Father, we thank you. We honor you. We bless you. Lord, bless Chef Ray. Bless all those that have come together today to serve. And Lord, let this food just be nourishment and strength to our bodies today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.